Hello and welcome to the Independent Dealer Podcast. Today we have got an incredible treat. We cornered Sean, the sales hustler, Hayes. Sean, we're so excited to have you on the podcast. Hey, thank you guys, man. Uh, it's a pleasure to meet both of you guys. Um, and I'm excited for today's uh, show. I probably talked and threw a lot in there. Uh, but uh, anytime you guys want me back on, I'd love to do it uh, as well. Welcome to the Independent Dealer Podcast, the podcast for auto dealers to learn and grow together. Here are your hosts, Luke Godwin and Jeff Watson. All right, here we are with the one and only, Luke, I'd probably say if, if we're judging popularity by Facebook friends, Sean is probably the most popular person we've had on the podcast. Well, that's date. awesome, man. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I've, uh, I've been a member of the Sales Hustler group for a while on Facebook and it's, it's pretty neat. Sean's got a great movement. We've got Sean Sales Hustler Hayes here with us. Sean, real quick, give us, this is what we call the zero to 60. Give us your zero to 60. Where did you come from? A little bit about your background, what you're doing now. For those of you that don't know you. Well, uh, I'll kind of synopsis down. Obviously, uh, I was born in Ohio, Canton, Ohio. I was not really good at high school. I, I liked high school for sports and social. But I really wasn't into the study thing, so I knew I wouldn't go to college, right? So I got out of high school not knowing what I wanted to do, dabbled, uh, went down the wrong roads, had many, many doors I shouldn't have went in, but went in and stayed too long, if you catch my drift. And then (laughs) kind of got lost along the way, man. Kind of got lost along the way, bartended for 10 years, kicked around until one day somebody came into my bar and said, you should be in sales. And that was when I was about 27 years old. Uh, so I started in sales. Really funny story is uh, when I went in there without a college degree living in Chicago, Illinois, I, I kind of moved to the big city because I was always from a small town. I wanted to live in a big town. Uh, so it's so funny. He asked me to come in and interview. I go in and interview with his, his boss. And his boss says, no, you don't have a college degree. You're not qualified. So uh, here's this. I, I, I knew I could do the job, so I basically made a deal with him and said, what's the lowest amount of money you would pay any of your sales associates? He told me. I said, well, look, I'll take less. I'll take less. Okay. In fact, in 90 days, if I don't uh, exceed your expectations of what you thought I would be, then we'll both walk away from it. So that's how I closed him down that day. He hired me. Uh, begrudgingly, and I ended up being the number four rep in the whole nation of, wow. I think there was 194 sales associates in this company. So it was a nationwide company selling pagers, papers, alphanumeric, and cell phones in downtown <laughs> Chicago, knock, knocking on doors. And wow. if you've ever done that, man, you knock on doors, the gatekeeper don't want you to come in, you ask for a business card, you find out who the decision maker is, you go back to your office and you pound the phones for the next, you know, half of the day. So that's what I did for years. And uh, I did really well in it, kicked around a little bit. And then I, 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 I moved to, I got married, divorced, moved to Florida. And that's when uh, the car sales industry started because I didn't know what to do again. Here I was again, starting on my life over, didn't know what to do. I didn't like the sales that I was doing before. I hated door-to-door sales, man. I was good at it because, it, you know, talent and hard work is all you need. But, man, it's a grind. And I, yeah. I, I just hated knocking on doors for, for the simple fact that the items and products that we're selling, they weren't residual. 
So every single day, every single month, every single year, I had to go do it again. And it, that, that grind will get to you. So when I stumbled into car sales, it blew my mind that people come to me already interested, at least a little bit of an inkling into my product instead of me pitching you 10 minutes of your time for me to convince you that you need my product. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Yeah. So it, it opened up a whole different world to me and it blew my mind and I hit the ground running. That's interesting, man. I tell you, anybody who's done that cold calling and, and uh, door to door sales, it makes it, if they're good at that, they, they're going to be incredible in the car sales. What, where'd you start as uh, your car sales? What, what brand did you start in? Uh, Hyundai. I did that for, I did Hyundai for 10 years. Great. Is that, and that was probably in the infancy of Hyundai, right? Yeah, it was 07. 07, okay. I stumbled into the business. Um, and, and this is a really cool story here because I didn't know what to do. I just lost my corporate America job, right? Um, because I got a DUI, which actually is one of the best things that happened to me in my whole life. It changed my whole trajectory of my life and, my, and, and who I became and who I am today. But at that time, it wasn't, right? So uh, I stumbled into, I lost my corporate America job that I, I got because I couldn't drive anymore. And once I got out of that whole situation, I now had to start over again, right? So one of my friends said, hey, my buddy's opening a Hyundai dealership down there, brand new dealership down in uh, Cypress Gardens Boulevard, which was in Winter Haverford, okay? Mm -hmm. And I was like, ah, I don't want to sell cars, man. I don't want to be a car salesman. I'm not a car salesman. And anyways, luckily, the general manager who at that dealership, he pursued me for three weeks. He's a, he's a member of Sales Hustlers as well. Uh, his name's Daryl Jackson, but still to this day, he, uh, we, we, we're in conversations with how my uh, career has blossomed since he, he literally closed me to get in the business. So interesting story there. What, uh, what made all that stuff you learned from door-to-door -door knocking and this, that, and other, what's the number one thing that made you a, a great car sales guy? Uh, well, I, I got great training when I was door to door and I learned the process, understanding sales, understanding people and what they need. And I think that's a lot of times what people in sales don't do. They don't understand that every single person that you come in contact with, you have to understand who they are, where they come from and what they need, right? What they need. Mm -hmm. Like some people need you to close them. Some people need you to step back and let them close themselves. Some people need... You know, uh, they need A, B, C to equal D, right? And some people, you just need the flash. So I, I understand that every single gatekeeper, every single decision maker, every single person I was coming in contact with, uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't use the same word tracks. And that's why I don't like word tracks. I really don't like all that. I just understand that people are people. Everybody needs something different. Find out what they need. Not only just what they need in, in your product, but what they need inside. And you can get in there and build a relationship with them. And I feel like uh, my sales just went crazy because I understood what people need because of all the knocking on the doors and getting through decision makers and gatekeepers. Yeah, it definitely seems like your history of, of doing door-to-door -door sales and also I got to assume being a bartender and learning to yeah. be empathetic and learning to sit on the other side of the bar and get in people's shoes has, you know, guided your philosophy in car sales now and probably i mean i see that coming through in your sales hustlers group right and your philosophy there of be different and brand yourself how i mean what led you into looking at 
the idea of being a car salesman, but being different. You know, I mean, you well, buck the cliche of car salesman, right? Isn't that's the whole point of sales hustlers is to, yeah. is to be better. Well, I did, but here's the funny thing. And I didn't do it for 10 years. I was the typical guy sitting on a golf cart, standing out on point, waiting for things to happen. All right. I did it through Hyundai. And then when I transitioned and moved to St. Augustine, so I worked in Winter Haven for five and a half years at the same dealership, Hyundai. I went on vacation to St. Augustine, Florida with my wife and, and son, and they had a Hyundai dealership there. And I'm like, I hate Winter Haven, Florida, right? It's hot. It's small. There's nothing to do, right? St. Mm -hmm. Augustine was just the beach, right? And it was like, great. So I was like, let's move here. And that's what we did. So I worked there for five years, but I did the same thing as I did back in Winter Haven. I was always the number one rep. I was always the number one in sale. Mm -hmm. That was just because of my talent and hard work and effort, you know, hard, hard work ethic. But yeah. then I got bored. And this is what happens a lot in our industry at every single position, sales, manager, GSM, GM, people settle into a routine, they become comfortable in that routine, and they get bored in that routine, and they get bored mm -hmm. in that life, right? And that's what happened to me. I got bored and almost got out of this uh, business that made me successful, which is crazy, right? You're like, why would you want to do that, dude? You're, you're making more money than you ever made in your life. You're finally successful and found a career that you can actually stay in. Your wife's happy. You just built a home. Your son's going to college. Why would you want to change anything? Well, it's because I became bored. And yeah. one thing I've learned in my life is when people become bored in their marriages, people get bored in their careers, and they get bored in their personal life, they start questioning. They start looking for things to, to take up some of that boredom. And that's what happened to me. I almost lost something that was great in my life because of boredom. So I said, hey, I don't need to get out of the business. I don't need to get out of the business. The business is good. I'm good in the business. I just need something to spark my drive and excitement again, okay? Like it was when I first got into it 10 years ago, all right? When you have no competition anymore and you don't have goals set, and that was my problem, I didn't have goals set, short-term and long-term. And because of that, I became bored. And when you don't have a bullseye to shoot for every day, you become monotonous. You become routine yeah. and boring. Oh, for sure. Sets in. And that's what happened to me, man. So that's why I started social media and branding myself. It was just to protect me, not for, uh, to get out of the business. I saw is an opportunity to, uh, I saw a couple people doing it. There was like Mike Davenport and like one other guy, but I didn't see them doing it the way I envisioned you could really build a brand, right? Yeah. They were doing some videos and some stuff. So I attacked it with every single thing I had, like all in kind of thing. And that's what you have to do. I think life, career, and marriage, you have to be all in, man. If you ain't all in, you're half out. And when you're <laughs> half out, you're thinking about other things to do that, uh, you know, are usually mm -hmm. not good. That's how people get in vices. You know, that's how people lose their marriages. That's how people lose their careers is they just start getting half in the water, half in the boat. They're never really truly in all the way. And they start, they start filling their time with other things. Sean, mm -hmm. we, we believe in training so much, you know, on the podcast here, we, we talk about training all the time. Um, two things. If, if I wanted today to mimic the things that you did to make you a great salesperson to my staff, how would I, what's the first thing you'd say, Hey, this is what your salespeople need to be doing that they're not doing right now. What do you think that is? Well, first of all, I want to make sure that you have the right people in place. Sure. Okay. 
I'd say number one, because a lot of times you got people in there, no matter what you do and how, no matter how much you try to motivate or inspire them, they ain't going to do what you want them to do, right? And we as managers, what do we do? We, we say, oh, well, that's just Billy or that's just Tommy, you know, he'll be fine. The problem is, is when that, that becomes a cancer on your floor, right? Mm -hmm. That becomes a cancer. You got to make sure that these people that are working for you every day are in the right position. Right? You, you, you hired them on character, not just abilities. They gotta have good character, they gotta have good work ethic, they gotta have not only talent, but you gotta have the right things in place. And, and then you've got to make sure that the sales managers do their job. So if you're a GM, which I start tomorrow, I start as the GM at CMA Chevrolet, right? So I'm gonna make sure that my managers hold everybody accountable. I'm going to hold them accountable. I'm going to hold the sales staff accountable and they're going to hold me accountable. And I think accountability from the leadership and the managers is where it lacks. Okay. That's what I've noticed over the years. All right. Sure. It's not so much the salespeople. The salespeople are only a product of the dealership and the managers that are managing. Right. So yes, you can have a guy like me that comes in who I don't need you to tell me what to do. I don't need you to motivate or inspire me. I have that within me, but I'm only 10%, right? The other 90% need things in place. They need processes. They need accountability. They need pushing. They need coaching. They need teaching, right? And that's where I think lacks. So I would tell you to answer your question is you got to make sure that your leadership people are the right people in place and that they carry your directives out and keep them accountable. Because that's what happens. They become friends with them and they're like, oh, that's just Tommy, that's Billy, you know, don't worry about it. And uh, that's where it all falls apart. So I like to run a, a tight ship, right? And I want to keep everybody accountable. That's so hard to do. I mean, especially as you, you know, if, if you've had salespeople or people in your organization that have been there for years and uh, you, maybe you weren't as accountable as you should have been with them early on, and, you know, getting back to that point is really hard. You, you have any you know, anything that you can add to, to how to maybe, I guess, put the, put the horse back in the barn and, and, and fix those problems? You know, that's a great question. I, and I guarantee you, Luke, that that is the majority um, that have troubles right now. It's because they weren't always holding themselves accountable. And now you're like, how can I hold that person accountable? He's been, he worked here three years. And you're like, well, what are you going to tell me to do that when you haven't been doing it, right? Yeah. But you got to have a restart. You just have to have a restart. Say, look, I had an epiphany, all right? You have a meeting with everybody, and you say, look, this is the way it's going to be, okay? I'm going to hold myself accountable, and I want you all to hold me accountable. But I'm going to hold you accountable, and what used to happen is not going to happen. And if I have to make examples of people, I will. I don't want to. I love y'all. Now, for real, you have to have, and people are sometimes scared of these conversations, but you know what? That's what our salespeople want. They really, really do. They, they're just like, and I don't mean this in like, they're like kids, they're not. But what I'm saying, I'm referencing to parents and children. Children want accountability. They want you to be straight with them. You know how I raised my son? I, I, I didn't take all the topics that I shouldn't talk about. I sat him down and I had conversations with him, real conversations. Said, hey man, what's your goals? What do you wanna do in the future, right? Uh, maybe we shouldn't do this because that's, that's gonna lead down the wrong road. It's okay, instead of saying, that's the way it should be. You're going to do it the way I need you to do it. Blah, 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 blah. You need to have conversations with these people. You need to sit every single person down individually and say, hey, let's talk about your short-term and long-term goal. 
okay? You don't want to stay where you're at your whole life, but you don't know how to get there. I'm going to help you get there and guide you, okay? But you're going to have to change some things that you used to do that I allowed you to do. We're not going to do that anymore, okay? And here's what it's going to bring you. See, people like that. They like structure. They like discipline. They're, they're, if they haven't had it, they don't like it, but they will, right? And, you, and then you have to counsel them in a, in a leadership way. Like say, hey, man, I want you to get that new house. I want you to get that promotion you want, right? The problem is, is and here's what I've noticed, guys, is that a lot of people in our industry don't have goals. They don't. They don't even know what goals are. They, it's, a, it's, a, it's a funny thing to say. It's like, oh, goals, right? But they don't. They don't really have a bullseye. And the only way you're going to achieve the level of, of where you want to or you say you want to is to have daily, monthly, yearly, long-term goals. You have to. I totally, right? I totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. That's, do you, so you recommend, you know, what, I'm, what I've noticed a lot of people doing is uh, setting – getting with their salespeople or their managers each month at the beginning of the month and setting those goals. Do you see that being a, a, a important thing in our business? Sure. Absolutely. Well, we don't do one-on-ones enough consistently and correctly. You know, we sit down, like, think about this. This is a typical, this I've, I've, I've sat on many sales floors in my life and this is a typical thing at the first day of the month. Hey, Sean, how many are you going to sell this month? Uh, 25. Hey, Bill, how much are you going to sell? And they write it down. Nobody tells, okay, well, wait a minute. What does 25 cars mean? Like, Mm -hmm. how many people, what's your closing percentage right now? Well, I don't know. Well, how the hell are you going to say you're going to close 25 deals? That's right. You have to break it all down. Success leaves clues. We got to know the, the, you know, the analytics of what it takes for you to sell 25 cars. If you have a 25% closing ratio, then how many people are you going to have to talk to? How many people a day? How many people a week? Right? And when people Mm -hmm. see that, they're like, oh. Oh, I never That's looked a, at it. Yeah we, yeah, we harp on knowing your numbers because if you know that you're closing 50% of your, your uh, appointments that, that show, well, you got a pretty good idea of how many appointments you need, all right? So then Absolutely. you just start working it backwards. I, I always go from the point where I want to go and I work it backwards, just like you said. It's what, exactly what I do. And I teach, I teach other people to do that now. And, and that you know, all those, I had 40 salesmen under me at Dan Cummins. And that's what we did. We broke it down that way. Like, okay, well, you've got to know your numbers. If you don't know your numbers, don't even give me your, how many cars you're selling. Okay. Cause it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. That, now, that's, the, that's what we have to do. One of the other things, I, I, I forgot to an, answer this earlier, uh, but he, he was kind of asking me why um, uh, the, the branding thing, why you have to do it today. And you, you just got to do it. Right. But why? Well, when I got in the business, usually about three, uh, a customer would come in going to three or four dealerships, right? Mm-hmm. And then I saw that traffic slowing down, slowing down, slowing down for the guy that stands out on the fresh shop, man, right? So I was like, well, if that's the case, something's going on here. So I got online and found out and went to a couple conferences and found out the average customer now went from four to about one and a half now. So if every customer is doing the research of not only the car they want, but uh, the dealership they want to buy from, then they got to know me. Because mm-hmm. if not, yeah, I'm going to do better than the average person in my dealership just for pure work ethic and talent. But they're not going to come ask for me unless I get my face and my name and exposure. And It's all about exposure in today's market. It really, truly is. 
You guys mm-hmm. know that you're doing this podcast. Why? For exposure. Are you trying to help people? Yes, but there's an end game to you. What are some practical ways or things we can do today to start? You know, any tips or tricks or ideas that we could just kind of like maybe get over that self-confidence or, you know, the hurdles of just putting our face out there? Yes. First of all, the people, people have fear, first mm-hmm. of all, and why people don't want to brand themselves, right? Um, the other thing is uh, they do it once or twice and they don't see a return. That's mm-hmm. the second thing, right? And the third thing is just laziness, right? Those are the three reasons why people aren't doing it, right? And when I sit people down and I have that conversation with them, I'm like, look, take the last one out. Laziness, laziness is not an excuse. You're going to have to get You're going to have to work anything in good in life. Every single thing I've ever had in my life or seen somebody else have in life, nothing came easy and everything was a grunt. Okay, but when you, in fact, you're going to have to accept and love the grind. I love the grind. In fact, I love the grind better than when I actually achieved what I was grinding for, right? Mm-hmm. I love the process. So mm-hmm. I take that out. It's like, look, you have good work ethic. You're just going to have to be more consistent about it. Consistency is huge in social media. Absolutely. If you're not doing every single day, okay, for three years, Every single day, or two and a half years, every single day at 8 a.m., I did a live video. Every day. Every day. Now, what's that do? Well, people knew consistently I would be there. It allows you to build a following. People, people know where to find you. Think about this. If you're watching a TV show, and one night it's on at 10, the next night it's on at 8, one day it's on, not on the next week, it can't develop a consistent following, right? Yeah. All right. Well, the same thing is what you're trying to accomplish in social media. You're trying to get a following. And the only way you can get a following is to put consistent, good content out there, right? So that's a number one, all right? Second thing is, hey, man, you're, you have fear. Why? Because of the way you look or your sound or something like that? Look, those people see you the exact same way when they come in your dealership and they see that you're overweight, right? They see that you have a bad voice. They see that you're ugly, right? And <laughs> it don't matter. You still sell them a car, right? Mm-hmm. So there's no difference whether if it's video or if it's in person. It's period. So get past that. In fact, don't even look at it. Do the video and send it. Don't watch yeah. yourself if that is something that you have to get over. Right? Yeah. Uh, so I just have conversations with people and tell them exactly that. Don't worry about the fear. Be consistent in it. Do it every day. It's not going to happen overnight. But in a year, two years, three years, your whole life will change. Think about this, y'all. Think about this. I've, I've now spoke at conferences, held my own conference, got two promotions in two years from salesmen that no one knew. No one was asking me to be on podcasts. Nobody was asking me to speak at conferences. Nobody was asking me to write books, right? In two and a half years, I went from GM and part owner of a dealership, all That's great. because of exposure, right? That's it. Did I get any more talented? No, I was just as good today in sales as I was two or three years ago, other than maybe a couple tweaks here and there. Mm-hmm. I didn't work any harder. I had the same work ethic, okay? The difference was now people know that I can bring value to them. Now they know what products and what things I can do, right? Now the exposure has opened up other opportunities, and that's what yeah. I try to tell everybody. Stop being like this. Stop being closed-minded. General managers, owners, GSMs, sales managers, and salesmen, every single people. I don't care. There's no level that you get to that you shouldn't keep doing social media, period. Mm -hmm. 
I'm going to do it more now that I'm a GM and I did it as a salesman. Okay? Yeah, to and build now, the brand of the dealership. Absolutely. And yourself still. It's not just about driving sales directly to yourself, but it's again, it's about putting the personality of yourself in the dealership. And you say that, it reminded me of that uh, quote you put up maybe a couple days ago, and I'll put you on the spot if you can remember it, but it said something about, didn't you say exposure leads to recognition and recognition leads to something yeah. and that leads to, what was it? Uh, I think I said uh, exposure, uh, I think it was exposure, uh, uh, something to exposure, yeah. exposure to influence, influence yes. to money, right? Yeah, because go to Sean's page and look that up. That just really, I mean, I see a lot of stuff on the internet, but that spelled it out in a way that just said, yes, like, duh. Exposure yeah. leads to recognition. Recognition leads to influence. Influence means leads to, you know, what you want done. Opportunity yeah, opportunities. Money. Yes, yeah. that's it. It, it. It's 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 so so interesting. We're People all chasing the dollar, right? We're all chasing the dollar. You want a happier life. You want a bigger home. You want and none of that really matters to me. That's not what I'm doing it for. I want you, everybody to understand. I I love what I'm doing. Okay, my life has changed tremendously. Okay, and it will keep changing because I have taken, instead of waiting for opportunities to happen, I've created my opportunities through exposure. And that's what we have to mm -hmm. do. That's what you're trying to do with this podcast, right? You're trying to get more exposure so you can have more influence, so you can what? Have more opportunities, right? right. And that's what it's all about. And that's what we have to start thinking about it and stop worrying about all the little things like, what do I look like? Oh, I have a pimple today. Oh, I, you know, I had this or my hair's not right or, yeah, you know, and I, I guarantee like the way you, I sound. It'll be awkward and it'll be sad. I, get, I mean, I'm sure if Sean went back and if you looked at your first couple, you know, morning meetings, you'd probably yeah. be like, oh my goodness, what was I doing back then? What, what was I thinking? I was stuttering and stepping over my words and it was awkward and the lighting and the audio and everything was weird, but it, it doesn't matter, right? No, it doesn't matter, man. The, the best... You can get better at it, but if you don't do it, you won't. You know, it's, it's I'm going so to pass you by. Yeah. A lot of guys like me are going to pass you by. You're going to be sitting mm -hmm. in your dealership thinking you were the number one salesman at that dealership. And all of a sudden, some other guys, some other sales officers who are doing what I'm trying to tell everybody to do are going to blow by you. And you're like, what the hell happened? I used to be the man here, right? Oh, yeah. And it's so true, even dealership level. I mean, we look at guys in our groups who have embraced social media and really leverage it and their dealerships are flourishing. You know, yeah. whereas other people that don't get involved, they don't get educated, they don't use the tools, they're still trying to put out newspaper ads and advertise on some site, you know, like they're not growing. That's, that's so important you talk about that is that, you know, some of us have, have grown up in the car business that, and, and we all depended on, you know, the leads that the dealership were able to generate. And Sean, to me, it seems like what you've done as a salesperson is generated your own leads and there's so many salespeople that don't understand that. And there's so many owners that don't understand that you need to be encouraging your, your salespeople to develop their own leads and not just depend on us. Now, now that might get a little scary for some, you know, for some owners and operators that say, oh, my, oh no, if they get their leads, they're going to they're gonna steal my customers if they leave. But I think that's a short-sighted way to look at it. you agree with that, Sean? I do 100%. Um, you know, I'm going to be a, a proponent of building your brand at my dealership. Okay, period. I, they're not like, don't worry about who has the, the, 
the leads or who keeps them or whatever. If you keep your people happy and you hire the right people and you promote within when, when needed and when deserved, these people are going to leave you. The problem is, is we're selling you as an owner or a GM out of fear sometimes. We're fear selling instead of out of a, a having a leverage position. Look, I give you everything you need here, right? I give you the place, to, I give you inventory, I give you, you know, phone, computer, I don't charge you anything. All you gotta do is go promote yourself and I don't care who you say the customers are. If I treat you well and you like working here and I promote with them when needed and when deserved, you're not gonna go anywhere. And that's the fear base that a lot of GMs and owners have. Oh, I'm scared they're gonna take my customer. Well. Why don't you sit down with them and ask them why they're going to leave and try to prevent that in the future. Instead, we just let people walk and let people go. But I don't worry about that, man. Uh, think about that, 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 that lead you pay for. The average lead that comes in that we close costs, what, five to 700 bucks, right? Well, course, a lot of money. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Five to 700 bucks when you average everything in. Well, I got a salesman out here who's aggressive, hungry, and wants to build a brand. It costs me zero, okay? Yeah, yeah. He can, he can take those customers if he chooses when he leaves. I don't want him to leave, and I hope he doesn't leave, and I'll do everything I can to keep him to stay. But at the end of the day, that cost me zero. This cost me 600 bucks, which is a better, smarter decision for my company. And they got about a 70 to 80% closing ratio, right, over here because that person has built rapport. They feel trust in them, right? They know who they are in their face now. This one over yeah. here, this is the one that grinds out that I make no money on. There's no money to be made. They shop four different dealerships. They just look for the lowest price. And I paid $600 to get that lead, right? <laughs> the lowest gross, yeah. Right, you don't make any money on it. They complain yeah. the whole time. They're kicking and screaming, right? They shop you amongst everybody in the nation and want you to match a, a price they got in Iowa, Right, right. You're like, wait a minute, that's Iowa. And you're like, well, yeah, no all Iowa. Okay. Yeah. It was or a two-wheel drive trunk in Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this person over here who comes in already knowing the salesman, already feeling some social proof trust, which I say social proof that's huge, right? Yeah. And they they're a laydown, and I don't mean that in a, in a bad way. I just mean you know they're they're easier to close, right? Well, you and close them on you close them on yourself earlier because they they. They, they loved your social proof. They understood right. you. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. And I think it's yeah. very important that you show all sides of yourself on social media, okay? Mm -hmm. This is a problem that a lot of people have because they can't get traction. It's because they're not being themselves. They're not being yeah. real. And people see that. They see it yeah. really, really fast. And I know you want to present this perfect image of yourself, but it's okay. I tell people, look, I did go through bad times. I almost flunked out of high school. I barely graduated. Right, I was suspended many times. I had a DUI. I, I, you know, I made so many mistakes in my life. The problem, the difference is, is now people feel like they know me. Right? I feel like now I've controlled that narrative. There's nothing that can come out of my past and somebody says, "Well, you know what? He did this." I already told everybody all that, man. Yeah. I call it the Eminem approach. If you tell everybody, okay, remember Eminem on that last battle? Right, that last battle he did in that eight mile movie, that last battle, he went up first and he told that guy he was competing with every single thing about himself. I, I'm white, I live in a trailer, blah, 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 blah. My mom's on drugs, all that. And the guy didn't know what to say. Now, if you do that in your social media and you tell people, look, this is the real me, I'm gonna learn and let you see me and you're gonna go along with me on this journey, then 
man, it just opens up people to you. You feel like a real person. Then you can give, you know, I don't know. It just, it really helped me being open with people. I didn't try yeah. to live a perfect life on social media. Now I don't, there's a couple of topics I don't mess around with, right? I don't yeah, get involved. I don't get involved with too much. You're not going to see a lot of politics out of my time. Yeah, or football. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to see a lot of, uh, you know, uh, faith-based a lot because a lot of people get in arguments about that stuff. Yeah. But it's okay to say, look, I failed in my life so many times. This is why I've learned and I can teach you. Um, mm -hmm. And I just think that's the best way to go about it. And I think part of it is, is I'm sure you'd agree with this, is you do need to use your Facebook page. Don't be afraid to tell people what you do. You don't have to go create some second Facebook page that is Jeff the salesman, you know? No, no it, it's me. This is what I do. And if, if I'm posting things on here that offend my family and friends or that aren't relevant, that's fine. They can unfollow me because... Sure. This is my livelihood. This is how I make my living. It is my dealership. And if I'm scared to tell people, you know, those things, then, then I'm in the wrong industry, right? Yeah. I don't believe in business pages until you get big enough to need a business page. It does no good for you. A business yeah. page just costs you money. Uh, it's a pay to play in Facebook land, right? You're not going to get any kind of organic reach out of a business page. Some people start those business pages and they can't get any reach. I went straight just regular Facebook page, personal Facebook page, but I turned it into a business page on a personal yeah. page. It has better organic reach, so I would recommend everybody do that. And you weren't well. just spamming people with cars. That's the other thing, guys. You gotta provide yeah. Yeah. valuable Value. content. And, and if it's just funny and entertaining, that's one thing, but it can't just be car, car, car. You, right. you know. But people wanna buy you, they don't care about the car. That's it, you know. that's it. That's it. People will always say that. Why don't you talk to your customers? Why don't you talk uh, about cars that are specials? So I was like, you guys don't see my vision. <laughs> yeah. My vision, they know I'm a car salesman. I don't need to tell them that in the cars that I have. What I do need to tell them is I want them to be so uh, loyal to me and so they follow me on a daily basis. They feel like they know me that when it comes to buying a car, when they're ready, they wouldn't buy it from anybody else. It doesn't matter what my inventory has. Do you know what I mean? And they'll trust yeah, you on what to buy. And you can move them that's to the it. car that you, they should buy. Yeah. That's it. That's it. So I kind of took a different approach. In fact, a lot of people along the way, even my business partner, Dave Benson, told me I was wrong. He's like, man, quit doing this. You're speaking to these salesmen out here. You're talking to salesmen, right? You should be talking to your customers, showing salesmen how to do this, talking to their customers. I said, no, man, you don't see my vision. Yeah. My vision is to gain loyalty and trust just through value, giving value to people every single day, just providing value and not asking anything in return. I read the book uh, uh, when uh, Gary Vanderchuk, you know, um, jab, 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 right hook. Okay. That's, that was basically my philosophy. Just keep jabbing you with value, 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 value. Then I can sell you a product. That's right. And that's the way I think everybody should do it. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, Sean. Um, you know, I, do we have any more questions? I just, any, I, our, Sean, how can people get a hold of you? How can we get in contact? Yeah. Where would you like it? I mean, people need to pick up your book. You self published sure. a book, correct? Build I your did, brand. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's going to tell people how they can get out there, why they should do it, how they should do it. How do they get a hold it's of you? Basically, it's basically a blueprint. It's mm -hmm. every single thing I did. I broke it mm -hmm. down. I wrote it right. 
and it basically tells you how to build the brand and what pitfalls to stay away from, what things you should do, what things I did and failed, and what things I were successful for me. And basically, it's just a blueprint. It's free. Okay, all you have to do is pay shipping and handling, and you can go to www.buildyourbrandthebook.net. That's buildyourbrandthebook.net. Get it on there, and it'll come to you. I think we sold, since I've self-published it, I think we sold 4,200 copies so far, which right. is pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, but, uh, or you can get on my uh, Facebook page, Sean Hayes, your car guy. I have a YouTube uh, as well, but whatever. Um, or you can call me, man. Anybody in the industry that needs anything, just pick up the phone and call me, 904-466-8939. And I'll take your call, man. I'll help you out. Sean, that's amazing, man. That's, uh, it's that's the first what we phone encourage. number we've had go out on the podcast. <laughs> We really encourage people to, to reach out to people who are not necessarily better in the business, but have more knowledge in the business and, and can, can lead those people to getting better because that's what it's all about, man. We appreciate you doing what you do for, uh, for salespeople yeah. and for, for managers in the industry. Well, you yeah. know what? One, one thing before I go is uh, one of the things that changed my career and the uh, trajectory of my career was not the, only the look in the mirror moment that I had, but finding mentors in my life, yeah. people that were that are already past me on the journey. People that can help me along the way. I can pick their brain. I can lend, uh, lean on them when I need to ask questions. And, and don't be too proud about that, man. Don't be too proud about that. Get a network. Your network of people, your network of, that will help you, man. Uh, it, it's helping me propel is my network. Um, so I would recommend anybody, don't be too proud about that. Pick up the phone and call them and ask them, hey, can I, can I, ask, can I bend your ear for a minute? And people will help you, man. You just gotta, you just gotta call and ask them. That's so true. I, I you know, I can remember the first couple twenty group meetings I went to, and I walked into those rooms thinking I knew everything and I was the big dog. I got humbled so quickly. I mean, yeah. so quickly. And and I picked up a few mentors within our twenty groups, and I, it's the best thing I've ever done for me and my business. Man, do you know how much I'm not going to know being a GM? <laughs> going from car salesman to GM part owner in two and a half years is kind of unheard of. So there's going to be a lot of things I don't know. And I've already reached out to people in this industry that I trust and love and said, look, I'm going to put you on speed dial. If I need some information and they're like more than help. And that's what we all have to do. We all got to help each other. And uh, you not only got to help other people, but you got to accept that you might need some help along the way too and reach out. hundred percent. Thanks y'all. Awesome. Thank Sean. You, Appreciate your time. Well, my pleasure, guys. Take care.